All right, thank you for having us here this weekend. We just we had a beautiful time yesterday with the worship guys, and a real powerful, actually, really powerful time. There's there's um there's amazing warfare, like we said with David. There's amazing warfare when people know how to worship. And so this morning, I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about worship using one of my favorite stories ever, and that's the story of um, in John four, John chapter four. You don't have to look it up. I'll read it to you. John chapter four, where um, we know it as the Samaritan woman. It comes all well. Cool. So here it is. I'm just going to read. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. This is Jacob's well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman... Of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, "If you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water." The woman said to him, "Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock." Jesus said to her. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Woman said to him, sir, "Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Funny. Woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We we worship what we do know. Salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that a Messiah is coming, and he's called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain this all to me. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Cool? Cool story, eh? Love it. Uh, And if you've been in church for longer than five minutes, you've probably heard 15 sermons on it already. And so I'm going to try and give you the hooey version of it. Um, it cracks me up that Jesus, um, he, he was tired, and I'm sure he wanted a drink, but this was the well that he decided to go to in the middle of Samaria. Uh, Samaria was full of Samaritans, and Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated the Jews. They had nothing to do with it. I'm sure you've probably heard that before. How many people have heard that? Samaritans, how many people know why? Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> the, the answer to that question is found in Second Kings. In 2 Kings, this is the time where the Israelites are in the land of Israel. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. And so they had, the kingdom was in two. Um, and so th- these people had, the Israelites had sinned so badly that God kicked them out 
right? And they had sinned not because they were, um, you know, naughty to each other. They, their primary sin was the fact that they started worshiping other gods. It's always God's big deal. Their primary sin was they had worshipped other gods. And so, they, uh, and so God came and he said, that's it, I've had enough. It's time for you guys to get, to get kicked out. And so um, he sent them out. He allowed the Assyrians to come. And I'm going to read the story to you in um, Second Kings so you understand where they're coming from. Okay, cool. <clears throat> the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, from Kutha, from Ava, from Hamath, and Sepharvaim. And, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. Israelites are kicked out. The king of Assyria says, right, all these people from all these other lands, I want you to come in now and take over this land to replace the Israelites that were there. They took over Samaria and they lived in its towns. When they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord, so he sent lions among them. And... <laughs> And they killed some of the people. That's funny, eh? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if he did that today? <clears throat> the people you deported, uh, so it was reported to the king. The guys reported to the king, hey, listen, the people that you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God of that country requires. So he has sent lions among them, which are killing them off, because the people don't know what this God requires. Then the king of Assyria gave this order. Have one of the priests you took captive from Samaria, so one of the Israelites, go back to live there and teach the people what the God of this land requires. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came back to live in Bethel, that's back in Canaan, and taught them how to worship the Lord. They worshiped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. That's why the Jews hate the Samaritans to that day. Get it? So then the Israelites came back after 70 years and said, right, we're back here to take our land again. And they found all these foreign people who have been there for, all, for generations worshipping foreign gods as well as worshipping their God. So they came back and said, hey, give our land back. They said, no, no, we've been here all this time. They said, but you guys are disgusting because you're worshipping all these foreign gods and you don't know how to worship our God properly. And they said, wait, wasn't it you that got kicked out of here in the first place because you were worshipping foreign gods? So how, who are you to tell us who, that we can't live here anymore? And so they started this feud between them. And for generations after that, it just turned into this hate. We, I don't know, I don't, we, the Samaritans, their, their ancestors tell us we're supposed to worship this way. And my ancestors, they're telling me we're supposed to worship this way. God loved us, the Jews first. Samaritans said, well, you guys screwed it up, so we're going to worship them our way. All this fighting between churches. So when the woman came out... And she saw Jesus there, and Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says, how you doing? Hey, while you're there, can you get me a drink? And I'm sure she was, maybe she was thinking, here's another dude hitting on me, right? And thought, hey, man, you, you, do you know who you're talking to? It's in the middle of the day, so she's alone. There's nobody else there. Nobody went out to get water in the middle of the day because it was too hot. They went at, in the evening, you know, it was cooler. But here's Jesus, this dude standing there by the well. She comes out at the middle of the day because she doesn't want to, there's a reason for that. Um, she doesn't want to come out later. And then this guy starts hitting on her. Says, hey, hey how about a drink? She says, man, you, you know, do you realize you're talking to a woman? And I'm a Samaritan. Which we, you, we hate each other. 
Yeah. He says, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. That's like, I'm sure this is curious to hear. Um, this is the lady that we've heard has had five husbands. So um, I, 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 don't you agree with me that she was not ugly? All right, she can't have been an ugly lady. She's had five husbands. Uh, there's something in here. And because she'd had the five husbands, I'm sure the reason that she didn't go out when the other woman went out there was because she probably stole some of these husbands from these women. And she was hot. So, you know, if, if you're the hot lady that's come and stolen husbands and, and uh, is a bit of a skank, right? She's been hanging around. Oh, if, let's get real, right? And she... And, when she comes out, when all the other ladies are there, I'm sure that they were hating on her, judging her, all that stuff that you say. Not that girls do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and what is she wearing? Right? And, right? And, so, and so for that reason, she comes out in the middle of the day, but she hates it. I hate having to come out here when it's really hot. And so she's obviously, the reason that, that she had had these so many husbands is she's obviously longing for something. She's like she can't find satisfaction, and so the only thing she has in her power is her looks, and so her looks get her relationships, and she's looking for something in relationships and looking for something in life, but it's not working. Obviously, five husbands later, she even gave up on marriage in the end. And said, I'll just live with this guy because she's in this hole now where she can't get out. How many people are trapped in their hole looking for something, but they just can't find it? They know the answer is somewhere out there, but they're so blinded by hurt and blinded by their past that they just can't. They, they know they're thirsty, but they don't know how to, how to satisfy that drink. And so she comes out into the water, trapped in her hole, hurt, and probably now has got a big hard defense system up. And Jesus is awesome. Starts peeling away the defenses. He addresses the first thing first. He didn't go straight for the heart. He went, hey, give me a water. Give me a drink. So he goes for the physical. Give me a drink. Sometimes that's the way into somebody's life. Give me a drink. You know, and, and then she says, oh, hey, you know I'm a Samaritan. He crosses that border and says, get, let's get that out of the way. Man, if you knew who I was, because she was like, don't you know who I am? Of course he knew who she was. But he says, if, do you know who I am? He goes, are you greater than my ancestors? So, so many people come to church and, and they are, we see things happening in church and they are maybe a little bit offensive to us because they're new and they're contemporary, but maybe they're spirit-filled and you just don't recognize it because of the old ways we used to do it. Are you greater than my ancestors? Are you greater than the way we've always done it? In this church, we've, always, we've only ever had an organ. In this church, we've only ever done it this way. In this church, we've only, my fathers did that. My grandfather did that. How dare you change the way that we've always done it? Hey, I mean, it's really obvious when you think of the old ways with the hymn books and the, and the, um, you know, and the organ on one side and the piano on the other side and the guy in the middle singing right here, giving you this cue. Great is thy faithfulness. Remember that? Anybody? No? Just me? All right. <laughs> yeah, half the crowd. All the young people are going, what, the, what are you on about? I mean, we say dumb stuff in church, man. And we, and we, we try to hide it with like, oh, that's tradition. And it's our, it's our ways. And it's the way we, we say some really, really dumb stuff. And we, and we say it like it's God. Those hymn books are sacred. 
Okay, well, I mean, that's, that's the real obvious ones. I remember when drums came in. I remember hearing a guy preach about drums that they were evil because they came from Africa. <laughs> Serious. There's a, it was a big conference in Auckland, thousands of people in the Logan Campbell Center. Guy preaches from the stage, drums are evil because they come from tribal beats in Africa. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's where all the musos just lads that canceled it out, left. You, know? you don't know what you're talking about. Um, we, went to one, we went to one church. We went to one church um, in the southern states of America, and, and they, they wouldn't allow guitars in their worship because they were shaped like a woman. No. No. Serious. I thought, man, how ugly are the women in your church? <laughs> I said, man, you're getting turned on by that. You've got a problem. <laughs> When, when rock and roll was evil, I mean, I, mean, I grew up in a, in a little you know, a little, a traditional church, and we, we were practicing once for a dance. We were having a youth dance, and we were doing like some old, old Bill Haley rock around the clock songs. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock rock. You know, we're, we're, that's what we're practicing. Elder came in and said, how dare you play that music in the house of God? Youth group over. You know? And then we, they wonder why there's no young people in the church. Don't get old. Don't look at the style of worship and think, and, 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 and hear that. Right? Don't hear the drums. Don't hear the keyboards. Don't hear the style. Don't hear the sound. Listen to the Spirit. Discern what the Spirit of it is. When someone's up here, and they, it doesn't matter what song you're singing, if you're leading with authority, you can hear the Spirit. And that's what we're after. It's always what we're after. The Bible even says it. Discern the Spirit. Judge something by what the Spirit says. Not, not by... Oh. Okay, yeah, you get the idea. I think this lady came out and she met Jesus, and as soon as he opened, she opened his mouth, she discerned something. She didn't know what it was. She just knew that she was longing for something, and out of his mouth came this life. And so she, he had to get past that old way. When she said, are you greater than my ancestors? I've always done it this way. He says, oh, man, the water that, you, that you're drinking now, you think satisfies you, but actually it's dead and gone. You're going to be thirsty again. If we just come to church just to come to church and we don't actually meet a living Jesus, a living spirit, a living savior, there's no personal encounter, you're just going to get thirsty again. So many people leap from church to church to church because they go to one church hoping to hear from a speaker and get new revelation and get new stuff from from the word or from teaching, which is all good. Except if that's your only purpose for going to church, you're going to get bored pretty soon of that speaker, and then you're going to go to somewhere else where there's a new guy preaching some new, some new stuff. And we've got to stop that. Church has got to stop being about us receiving and being a better place where we pour into. The reason, man, I went to, we went to this church in, in Florida, and there was this, and the, it was like a, it's a really big church. It was a Calvary Chapel church. And m- when I looked out over the congregation, most of them were like white hair and probably nobody under 40 or 50, right? And this, with all due respect, I, I, we loved it. But I was there thinking, what on earth are we doing here? Because we're playing this music that they weren't used to. And they showed it. <laughs> so many, man, so many old fellows. You know, and there were some of them that were trying to get into it. You know, um, but obviously it wasn't their type of music. And I just thinking, I was thinking, why on earth are we here? And later on, I found out um, the reason that they had invited us there was because they realized that most of their congregation were just dying out. 
and there was no young people coming in at the other end. So they were trying to push the boundaries a little bit so that they could start to appeal to, to younger people. And so as I looked around, I thought, oh, man, well, this is not going well. And then I, I looked down, and there was this one old fella down here just getting into it, going for it. He was, you know, as best as you can, you know. I mean, he would have been, I don't, I'm not even going to guessing at his age, but it, old. And, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, would have hurt. Whatever, he, was, he would have been hurt and ouch. But I just kept focusing on him. I just thought, I'm just going to look at him this whole time, man, and just get into it, right? And, and then afterwards, I went to talk to him, and I thought, man, I was so good having you down there getting into it because I, you know, I looked around. It was hard work. And I just went to say, oh, thank you so much, man, for getting into it. I saw your worship. It was awesome. He goes, yeah, yeah, I really don't like your music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, wow. I said, well, he goes, no, 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 I, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't, it's not my style of music. But the reason I'm getting into it is because I want to see young people in my church again. So his attitude was, man, I want to get behind the vision of the church. I'm going to force myself to get behind it whether I like it or not. It wasn't about his personal preference. It was about getting behind the vision. You know, and that's what we've got to do. Church has got to be a place where we, 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 get, we help the ministry get outside and bring people in. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be one of those churches, another statistic that just dwindles. And dwindles. Don't do that, okay? Okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, so it's living water that we're after, and it's living water that this lady was after. When he opened his mouth and he said, Man, the, the water that you got that you got now is just gonna run dry. But if you ask me, I've got living water. That'll that'll just it'll never run dry. It'll be it'll be it'll lead you to eternal life. She said, Awesome, can I get some of this? He's at, the, he's at her first level. He got rid of the first layer of defense, and now he's at the second one. You are thirsty, and I see it, and I'm offering you living water. She responds to it and says, yes, I need that. And so he says, um, well, before I give it to you, go get your husband. Right? This is where the prophetic comes in. Prophetically, he had snapped her out. And this was his chance to let her know. He could see that well before, I'm sure. He knew all about it. I'm sure the reason he was there in the first place was for her. Because prophetically, he saw it. If we operate in the Spirit, we're going to see things. If you're, if you're walking into work every day and you're not seeing things, ask yourself why. And then go chase it. Because that's our mission in life, is to take that heart of the Father, that, those eyes that see hurting people, that see into their lives. Ask yourself why and go chase it. You're supposed to live supernaturally. Then live supernaturally. That doesn't mean you, you go bounding in your office speaking in tongues. All right, but if you walk in there carrying the spirit, the spirit of God, carrying the presence of God with you, He will enable you to see things, and then you can speak into that, but with love. We talked a lot about the prophetic yesterday in worship. Sometimes people turn away from God because of the stupid way we handle the prophetic. But if you do it like the Bible tells us to, with love, then it's going to be received with love. Man, imagine that. Imagine if you go in and God gives you a word for somebody and you're able to say, hey, I've noticed that you've been a little bit distracted lately. Is it because your mum's in hospital? How did you know that? I'm a Christian and I believe I, God told me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. All right. So he, so he, he, he bounds it. He snaps her out. He says, go get your husband first. He has a word. She goes, here's, here's the level of defense. I ain't got a husband. 
you know, folds your arms probably. I ain't got no husband. I ain't got no husband. Right? And then, and he says, dang straight, you don't. In fact, you've had five, and the guy you're with now is not even your husband. She says, oh, I see you're a prophet. (laughs) And then launches immediately into a debate about worship. How did we get from husbands to a worship debate? Why did she go from, he he just snapped her out. You'd think she'd go, oh my gosh, how did you know that? And oh, uh, um, well, no, it's not really my my problem. She didn't launch into that. She went immediately to say, hey, your ancestors tell us the worship one way and my ancestors say we're supposed to worship another way. Why would she go into that? It's because she clearly knows. She's going, this guy snapped me out. I think he's from God. He's a prophet. God, I know that there's an answer somewhere out there and it's got to be in God. But my problem for me coming to God is I don't know how to worship him properly. I don't know how to approach him properly. Because when I look at the church, all I see is churches fighting. Do I do it this way? Do I do it that way? Do I go to Joel Osteen's church? Do I go to Brian Tamaki's church? Do I go to Meadows, Meadows Connect Church? Do I go to Equipers Church? Do I go, you know, I'm saying, do I go to this church? Why? I, 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 we, went, we went to some churches, I won't say in which country, where mega churches were putting advertisements in the paper, dishonoring the other church and saying, no, come to our church. I'm, I'm like, what on earth? It, it just drives me crazy when I see religious people fighting over stupid points and not understanding the spirit in which they're operating when they do that. Some of the Facebook threads we see of people smashing Hillsong, of smashing the Osteens, of coming, of coming up with these lame reasons why, biblically. See, we can get in trouble if our spirit is not right. Even with the Word of God, we can turn the very Word that's meant to give life and we can use it to give death if we are not operating in the Spirit. It's supposed to be a living Word. So what gets us into that truth? What enables us to keep right with God, to keep, to keep working in the same Spirit? It's for us to be one in Spirit with Him. Only way you get that? Intimacy. The only way you get to be one in spirit with God is intimacy. And in order for intimacy to happen, you have to surrender something. This lady finally surrendered. She said to them, awesome guys, she said, she said to him, listen, I, I, I haven't, I, you know, five husbands and whatnot. I see you're a, a prophet and, um, and but I, I know the answer's in God and, and I need to get to him, but I, I'm confused by all these, by who's, how to worship God properly, how to get to God. He says, lady, it's got nothing to do with where you worship. It's got nothing to do with the style. It's got nothing to do with all of that. The Father is after people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's after people that will just be transparent and honest and open and unafraid to throw this self-gratifying, self-serving, self-centered, self-aware way and, and surrender it all. That's what he's after. All those defenses, all those hurts, he's after honesty and transparency. I challenge you when you come to worship God, are you free enough and surrendered enough to set aside a place in your home where you surrender to God? Are you free enough to get down on your knees in that place? Are you free enough to stand up and put your arms in the house? I mean, we do that in church. We'll come in church and we'll do this, but are you free enough to do it at home by yourself? You think what it would do to God's heart 
for you to do something like that. You, you move his heart with, with expressions of emotion like that. I, mean, I, I remember I wrote a little post lately, or recently, just saying, unless you interact with God emotionally each day, I, only, I think you're only living half a Christian life. Because he wants intimacy from you. It's a relationship. If you only read your word every day, it's like if Libby and I went on a date night and we read letters to each other, but we never talk to each other. Where's the emotional engagement? That has to come from worship. The emotional engagement of, the, of your relationship has to come from that intimacy of, of breaking open, of, of talking feelings, of, of fe- allowing yourself to feel and receive his feelings, receive his heart. So many of the lies in your life would be broken if you just, if you just gave yourself to him and allowed him to speak to you. This lady was to speaking to Jesus himself and didn't recognize him until he until when he when he told him that when he told her that stuff and said worship is just about spirit and truth. She said, "I I, I know there's life coming out of you, but I can't figure it out. It's all confusing in the mind." And so she says, "But I know that one day a Messiah is coming. I know that God's going to send someone and He's going to explain all these things to me." And then he says to her, look in front of you. Look right in front of you. Man, some of you guys have got so much hurt going on inside. You're so much pain and you're looking for a savior that will explain, that can feel for you. And he's right in front of you. But you're just not recognizing him. And I'm saying the way to recognize him is to get down on your knees, open your heart up and just be honest. He can handle your honesty. He can handle your honesty. He wants that honesty. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful kind of feeling. We often talk about God in the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament one we, we think is the old, strong, warring uh, God of the law who just brought retribution and anger. And, um, and the reason these, old, these Samaritans would worship God uh, but then go back to worship their other gods. They only worship God to appease the angry God so that he wouldn't send lions. And I reckon there are heaps of people in here that come to church just to appease an angry God. And then we go back to the rest of the week and we worship other gods. And it's time we've changed that perception. God is not angry with you. And he proved it by sending his son. So in the Old Testament... Um, and then we look at the New Testament God and we think, well, he's the loving one. He's Jesus. He's the one that comes as a friend. But then when we look in the Old Testament way back at Genesis, and you don't get any older Testament than that, um, we see actually when, man, when God created man, he created him. And then the, the words the Bible uses, he, when he formed him out of the dust, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He breathed his very spirit into this this form of dust. Well, how do you breathe into someone's nostrils? It's like doing CPR. In order to get into someone's nostrils, you've got to get right down there face to face. So God gets face to face with his creation, breathes his spirit into him. They become one in spirit. Adam opens his eyes, and the first thing he sees is the face of his father. In Māoridom, we have this way, you know, when you've, if you've ever heard a Māori get up and speak, and they, they kind of introduce who they are, and then they finish it by saying, Tihei Māori Ora. Anybody heard that? 
See, hey, I know you guys are Maori because you are a koha box. See, hey, Maori, you know what that means? Ora means life. Maori is like the life force, like moving force. And tihei is a sneeze. We have a similar story of when God created man and he breathed life. He sneezed the life force into him. Tihei Maori ora. Just like a hongi. He shared. One in spirit. When Jesus came and he prayed for his disciples, he didn't pray, Lord, give them the word, give them truth. He said, Father, may they be one just as you and I are one. He's always been after oneness since day one. He breathed life into his his creation. He breathed life into his first church when Moses set up the tabernacle at at Mount Sinai. His presence came and filled that place. Not Not a word, not a commandment, not a stone tablet. His very presence came and filled that place. He breathed life into his creation. He's breathed life into his church. And he wants to breathe life into your situation right now. Why don't, why don't we respond to that? I think, I think he's saying something. Do you mind if we stand? I know you won't let go. Steady he carries me. Constant in the unseen. The cross is my security. He won't let you go. Let's just bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, for, um, for every person that's hurting here today, that like that woman have got things from the past, I want to pray now in Jesus' name that they would receive, that they would know a new revelation of who you are. Lord, that they would find the courage to be able to release that to you, to surrender it to your cross, which is our security. Lord, bring healing to hearts. Bring your living water to to hearts that are broken, the hearts that have been carrying weight and carrying a longing inside right now in Jesus' name. Bring new life, beautiful new life. Thank you, Jesus, that you came all the way from heaven to earth just for us. Lord, you pretended to be thirsty to meet a woman out in the middle of the desert. And I believe you're here today. Lord, I pray for a a revelation of you standing in front of every person here, even in their own homes. Lord, let your worship flow in spirit and truth through households throughout this whole church, Lord, throughout this region, that your spirit would prophetically be able to travel and speak words of life and, and streams of living water would go out from this place and reach so many people. Lord, let it happen. We surrender now in Jesus' name.